Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we begin a brand new series, Open. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. And also on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. Oh, hi again. Good to see you guys. Long time. Uh, a special welcome if you're joining us digitally. As Amy mentioned, we are beginning a brand new series called Open. And it made me think of this story I heard a couple weeks ago. It's, um, it's about this guy right here. His name is Adrian Pierce. And uh, Adrian Pierce left a Christmas gift unopened, not for one or two or three years, but 47 years. Almost five decades he held on to this unopened Christmas gift. And here's the backstory. So in 1970, uh, his then-girlfriend um, gave him this gift right after she broke up with him. Yeah, right. How many of us would just throw that gift right away right there? How many of us would set it on fire? There's counselors available for you in the back. Um, so he held on to this gift, and he ended up getting married, and uh, the story got picked up, and so he and his now wife traveled to British Columbia and met his ex-girlfriend, and they opened this gift for a charity event, this gift that she gave him right after breaking up with him. Do you want to know what the gift was? Of course you do. The gift that she gave was this gift right here. Love is new ways to spot that certain feeling. Wow. What a gift to give someone as you're breaking up with them, right? Like classic Canadian, just held on to it. It's fine. Now, I know that most of us, we know better than to hold on to a gift typically for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But I want to make the case today that in a lot of ways, this is exactly what we do with the Holy Spirit. When it comes to like understanding God, the Holy Spirit is sort of the forgotten member of the Trinity. We're, we tend to be kind of more comfortable with Father language and Jesus, the Son language, right? But when it comes to the Holy Spirit... I think for a lot of us, he's sort of just this ethereal, nebulous force. We don't, we don't really often know what to do with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've even been here, and you've heard us pray to the Holy Spirit and wondered, what's that all about? What, what does that actually mean? So we're calling this series Open because I believe that in many ways, the Holy Spirit is an unopened gift in our life, and we have been unopened to him. So for the next couple of weeks, we want to kind of take a deep dive into like, okay, who is the Holy Spirit, and what does it mean to be open to Him? Now, I want to I kind of unpack who the Holy Spirit is through three moves. Creation, Old Testament, and New Testament. Creation, Old Testament, New Testament. And so to begin, I thought we'd start um, at the middle. Just kidding. At the beginning. In Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning. That's a good place to start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So the Spirit of God was not created. The Spirit of God has always been and was there at creation with the Father and with the Son. So just so that we're clear, the, the Spirit wasn't like a successful spinoff that like joined, joined the gang later. He's always been. He's always been a part of what we call the Trinity. Now, when we look at the, the full arc of the Old Testament, there's actually a lot about the Spirit of God. There's a number of people who wrote specifically about the Spirit of God. One such writer is the prophet Haggai, who's the only prophet whose name is also a greeting, right? Hey, guy. No? All right. That was a throwaway. Never mind. 
The prophet Haggai says, Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my, what's the word? Spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Now, do not fear or do not be afraid is the most common command in all of Scripture. And almost every time it's linked with this idea of the presence of God. It's not, do not be afraid, suck it up, buttercup. It's, you don't have to be afraid because the Spirit of God isn't just near you. It's setting up shop among you. That word remains there is the word tabernacle. It means to like set up camp, to move into the neighborhood. It says, do not fear, the Spirit of God is there to dwell with and among you. Not some nebulous force, but the person and presence of God. This is easy to miss, but the Old Testament is filled with stories like this. And it's not just sort of this remaining, this presence, this dwelling. It also shows up in some really specific ways as well. If you remember the story of Joseph, uh, when he was in prison in Egypt, when none of the wise men in Egypt could interpret Pharaoh's dream, the Spirit of God gave Joseph the ability to interpret these dreams. In fact, King David was given specific instructions in how to build the temple by the Spirit of God. Over and over and over again, we see different examples throughout the Old Testament of the Spirit of God not only dwelling and remaining, but instructing, transforming, and leading the people of God. Fast forward to the New Testament, we see a number of ways that the Spirit of God moves to the New Testament. Listen to the words of Jesus himself here. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I will ask the Father to send you another helper, the Spirit of truth, who will, what's the word? Remain, who will remain constantly with you. The world does not recognize the Spirit of truth because it does not know the Spirit and it's unable to receive him. But you do know the Spirit because he lives with you and he will dwell in you. That same idea of like setting up shop, of moving into the neighborhood. It's not just sort of like a quick peek in, hey, how are you? It's setting up shop, dwelling in and among us. And Jesus, he points to this numerous times throughout the scriptures. In fact, I think uh, theologian N.T. Wright put it brilliantly. He said it this way. He says, those in whom the spirit comes to live are God's new temple. They are individually and corporately places where heaven and earth meet. I love that idea. Individually. And then corporately, as we gather together, the new temple, the place where heaven and earth meet. That, to me, is such a compelling, fascinating idea that it's not just simply this like third forgotten member of the Trinity. It's this beautiful, sacred space where heaven and earth meet. When the Spirit dwells within us, it changes us, changes who we are. Now, I think all of us, we're built hardwired to be spirit receptive. I think from the very beginning of time, that's how God created us, to be in relationship with him, not just knowledge about him, but to be in concert with him, for heaven and earth to meet. That's the, that's the prayer that Jesus gives us. And yet, I think so often, we avoid it. I think it's tough for us to really live spirit receptive. We maybe even know that we should, or maybe we even desire to do so, but for whatever reason, we just don't. Maybe this would be a helpful way to think about it. Uh, so this is a work glove, right? It's my work glove, so it's clearly seen a lot of combat. Um, <laughs> and I think this is leather. Maybe, maybe it's faux leather, but it's, it's well built. It's tightly stitched together. Like this, this glove was designed to do work, to, to lift and to carry and to build, right? 
So this is what we'll do. Um, all right, glove, get to work. Hmm. Uh, nothing. Come on, you can do it. No? All right, well, maybe, okay, maybe what this glove needs is uh, like a little encouragement, right? Come on, glove, you were built to make a difference in the world. You can do it. Your life has purpose. I know, right? Uh, still nothing. Okay. Uh, maybe, okay, so maybe what, maybe what this glove needs is like some instruction, like some one-on-one time. I should apprentice this glove. That's what I'm going to do. Glove. All right, here. It's not that hard. You just, you just take the thumb and the index finger, right? Just let's start there and go. Nothing. This is, this is really embarrassing. Okay, all right, here's, here's maybe what the glove needs. Maybe the glove just needs some good fellowship, right? Needs to get some other gloves around it. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it needs. There you go. And uh, Great, now it's going to suffocate. Um, is, that an, is that an oven mitt here? This is uh, clearly the homeschooler. Um, I can say that. I was homeschooled. Uh, okay, so still nothing, though. Just lying there. Now, I know that no analogy is perfect, but here's my point. The glove can be designed to work, built to work, but it can't actually work until what? Until a living hand fills every part of it. That's the point of being a Christ follower. That's the purpose of being spirit receptive. We can be built and called and wired all we want, but until the spirit fills every part of us, we cannot live the supernatural life that God intends. We can do some good things. We can point in the right direction. We can build good buildings and start powerful programs, but in terms of supernatural impact, Jesus says pretty bluntly, apart from me, you can't do anything. We can be designed to be filled with the Spirit, but until we're actually filled, until the Spirit actually sets up shop among us and empowers us to live the supernatural life that we were intended to, we end up looking a lot more like the glove. So, so what does it mean then to actually to be Spirit receptive? Because I, I realize that for a lot of us, we're probably more closely linked to the category of Spirit resistant. Right? And I think you can, be, you can be resistant in a number of different ways. Um, some of us, maybe we're spirit-resistant because like, we don't want to be like one of those weird Christians, right? Does anyone know one of those weird Christians? Don't point right now. Don't. <laughs> They're out there. They're not in here. Right? All the weird ones are out there. We, we, we're spirit-resistant because I don't, I don't want to look like one of them. I just kind of want to blend in. Or, or maybe we're spirit-resistant because like, I, I just don't honestly, I don't want to change. That sounds awful to say, but like I'm comfortable the way that I am, and if I open myself up to the Spirit, it, he might do something in me or point me in a direction that I'm not comfortable going, so we don't want to change. Sometimes I think we're spirit-resistant simply because we're unaware. We're, we're unaware of God's presence and power in the world. We're sort of going a million miles a minute, or we sort of live unaware of God's presence even right here and now. In fact, I had a, a professor in college, and he had this illustration that I, uh, I want to walk us through right now that... I think really uh, powerfully conveyed this idea. I want you to take the next 10 seconds and I want you to look around the room and identify everything in this room that's green. Okay, so you've got 10 seconds. Look around the room, identify everything in the room that's green. Go ahead. 10, 9, 8. I'll pretend to count. Just go ahead. Just keep. Okay. Everything in the room that's green. All right. <laughs> that felt about 10 seconds. Now close your eyes. 
Now, I want you to recall and list in your mind everything in this room that was red. <laughs> exactly. That was our reaction. Groans, right? I can't list anything that's red because I was only looking for green. My point is this. So often we assume that the Spirit of God only moves in certain ways in certain places. It only happens on Sunday. It only happens at this particular address. I think in so many ways we've become colorblind to the power of God in the world. I see God only working in this one narrow way. And I think God wants to blow our minds and move in ways that we would never anticipate on our own. Some of you have experienced that. Where you were only looking at green and God did something in red. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Maybe is it possible that God is bigger than we've even dared to articulate? Maybe we've been simply looking for God in the green. And we need to take off our blinders and see God all around us. The presence of God is not what's lacking. What's lacking is our awareness. The presence of God is not lacking. But so often... We fail to have eyes to see it, and so we are resistant. It's kind of why we called this series Open. We actually went through a couple of different title series ideas, but Open best conveyed, okay, what would it look like just to be open, to not have to have all the answers, to cross every T and dot every I, just say, God, I'm open to your leading. In fact, we took a lot of the concepts for this series from a friend of ours, his name is Scott McKnight. He's a brilliant local theologian and professor. He wrote a new book called Open to the Spirit, I cannot encourage you enough to go get it. It's fantastic. But just to give credit where credit is due, a lot of the concepts and content come from that book. So the challenge is this. Um, how do I start? If you're here, like, okay, I'm, I'm maybe open to being open. How, how do I actually start being open? Well, I think it's fitting for us to begin looking at Jesus. And maybe some of you are thinking, like, well, okay. Of course Jesus was open to the Spirit, right? It's Jesus, right? Like, didn't... Didn't Jesus just float everywhere with his bathrobe and his Vidal assumed hair, right? Like he just, holiness just probably oozed out of him all the time. And I get that. I've, I've certainly thought that myself. But while Jesus is fully God, he's also fully man. And I don't think we talk enough about this. The humanity of Jesus so often gets missed when we kind of create this version of Jesus where just holiness was always sort of oozing out of him. Jesus was was and is fully God and fully human. Jesus was present at creation. John calls him the word, the logos. The logos, the center of the universe from which all things come. He gave life to everything. And then look, what's hap- look what happens here in John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became human and made his home among us. There's that idea of dwelling again. He stepped down from infinity and became an infant. From eternity and entered into humanity. This word, this logos, who was there at creation, became a man, put on flesh and bone. And yet, I think for a lot of us, when we think of Jesus, we sort of think like he's a character from the Matrix. You guys remember the Matrix? Of course you do. Remember when the Matrix came out and everyone's sermon series was about the Matrix? I apologize. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of times, Our idea of Jesus is sort of like that idea of just like downloading whatever information he needed right there in the moment because he was Jesus. I think a lot of us maybe see Jesus this way. Supposed to start with these operation programs first. Let's do something a little more fun. How about combat training?
Okay, that is Keanu at his most Keanu, is it not? I know Kung Fu. No, you don't, Keanu. But here's my point. I think we sort of assume that's how Jesus was, right? Just sort of downloaded whatever information he needed. But the, old, the, the New Testament is actually really intent on communicating that he had to learn to walk and talk, that he spent time in the temple learning. He had to learn the trade of a craftsman. In fact, the historian Luke records it this way. He says, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He had to learn. He had to grow. He had every limitation of being a human. And, and not just in terms of intellect either. He had human emotion. He struggled at times with very deep sorrow and grief. He had a human mind. He says multiple times there's things that he doesn't know. He even had a human will. The, the eve before his death, he communicates that he desired something different than the will of the Father. He had a human will. And I think Scott McKnight put it best. This is, this is how he says it. He says Jesus was a real human being, which means he grew spiritually by learning to be open to the Spirit. He grew spiritually, how? By being open, the most open to the spirit any human has ever been. That's how. And we don't often talk about Jesus being open to the spirit because we don't understand his humanness. We don't understand the limitations that he took on. But we have to if we want to understand how significant it is to be open to this spirit. So if Jesus is human, then maybe you're thinking, all right, how then? How do I actually get to be that kind of open. Well, all four gospel writers describe the spirit descending on Jesus at baptism. All four of them in different ways describe this, uh, this descending of the spirit. Some describe uh, the spirit descending like a dove, and this marks the beginning of his earthly ministry. Some say that the dove is maybe, uh, maybe a nod back to Genesis to the hovering over the earth. Either way, the point is describing a new thing, a new creation. At the baptism of Jesus, a new way has been ushered forward. Everything has shifted here at the receiving of the Holy Spirit. John writes that the Spirit remained on him, remained, dwelt, spent time with, resided among. So after this baptism, this really grand scene What's, what's the first use of this power? What's the first thing that happens? Well, Luke chapter four tells us. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by whom? The Spirit into the what? The wilderness. Sometimes the Spirit will lead you to a wilderness place. Just because you're in a wilderness does not necessarily mean you weren't led there. The very first thing after his baptism, he's led not to green pastures, not to a cruise ship, but to the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Maybe a better word there would be tested. He was tested there in the wilderness by the devil. I believe that it's because of his openness to the Spirit, because he was filled by the Spirit, he was able to overcome these temptations. And from this point forward, he begins preaching and teaching, saying things like, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And from there... He's healing the blind. He's feeding crowds. He's walking on water. He's raising people from the dead. And I don't know about you. My, I mean, my faith has gone through some hills and valleys. But when I come back to stories like that, I think I want some of that in my life. I want to see some of the stuff, some of the Jesus stuff, the first church stuff. So, sometimes for me, it, it can be daunting to simply talk about ideas. I say, man, God, 
Help me not to be like a glove that's just lying on the floor. I want your spirit power to actually do something through me that I can't do on my own. I don't know about you, but I long to see that in our world, not just in our city, in our church, in our country, in our world. I think our world is in so desperate need, not of just one more sermon, one more program, one more idea. Those things are good. I think what our world is so hurting for is the life-giving power of the Spirit of God. And if we ourselves aren't filled, then what are we doing? Peter, who is right alongside Jesus for all of this, records these words in Acts. He says, you know what has happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That word power is the word dynamos. It's a good word for dynamite. It wasn't like this like little like low-level power, like AAA battery kind of power. He's like this this explosive, this like life-changing, world-shifting kind of power. That's what they were observing in Jesus. That's what they were experiencing in the early church. Jesus fully took on human limitations and was fully and completely open to the Holy Spirit. The late Wheaton professor, Gerald Hawthorne, I think put it well. He said the Holy Spirit was the divine power by which Jesus overcame his human limitations. That's the power by which Jesus was able to overcome all the limitations he took on, such as being limited in knowledge and bound by physical space and human strength, and also rose above his human weaknesses and won out over his human mortality. By being open to the Spirit of God. And I gotta be honest, it makes me wonder like, what would happen if we were that kind of open? Like, let's just, can we just be honest for a moment? I know that sometimes it's easy to assume, like, well, you're a pastor, you're probably always open, right? You ask my wife, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. There's an endless list of reasons I think that we're not open, but what if, just imagine with me for a moment, what if? What would change right now if the people in this room were fully and completely open to the Spirit of God and said, God, I don't know what that means. I don't know where you're gonna lead me. I don't know what's gonna change, but I'm open. I'm, I'm opting out of the rat race. I'm hopping off the treadmill. I'm loosening my white knuckle grip of always trying to be in control. Because for a lot of us, Jesus is a great savior, but not necessarily a Lord, right? We're grateful for the, the entrance to heaven when we die, but I'm king of my kingdom. What would it look like to say, God, I'm, I'm open. Holy Spirit, I'm open. Do what you will in and through me because he can't do through us until he first does in us. It has to start there. So I want to issue just a couple of challenges. The first is to be open to receive. Just be open. The Bible tells us that when we trust in Jesus, not just pray a prayer, but trust in Jesus, follow after him that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And some of you, maybe you've never prayed that prayer. Today can be your day. Say, Jesus, I trust in you. I'm dying to myself completely. Today could be your day. If you, want to, if you want to trust in Jesus today, you can come find me, talk to the prayer team in the back, and go to the Welcome Center. Don't, don't leave today without trusting in Jesus. Today could be your day. The second challenge is to be open to respond. 
Be open to respond. The point isn't just for us to be filled by the Spirit of God, but to allow God to do something in and through us as a result. And that's what we're going to talk about the next couple of weeks. Be open to respond to that prompting, to that nudging. How many times have we felt that nudging, that prompting, and just sort of stuffed it down? I know that I have. More times than I'd like to admit. What would it look like to actually be open to respond? For the next three weeks, I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer. We're just simply calling it the open prayer. And if, if you're willing in this moment, I want to encourage you to pray aloud with me right now. Let's, let's pray this prayer together. God, I am open to your Holy Spirit. Make me ever aware of your presence dwelling in me. Speak to me, transform me, empower me to be more like Jesus. God, I am open to your Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to encourage you. You you can download that prayer. It's on the app and the website. I have it on my phone right now so that every day I'm waking up and I'm staring at that prayer. And I want to encourage you to pray this prayer every single day. Every single day for the next three weeks. And this is in no way a declaration that you've figured it all out, that you have all the answers. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's saying, God, apart from you, I can't really do anything. So I'm open. I'm, I'm open to whatever it is that you want to do in and through me. Because here's my point. Maybe you're there. I, I'm tired of living in my own strength. I just am. I believed for a long time that that was the way to success and that was the way to fulfillment and that was the way to identity and rest and, and then wholeness. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of living in my own strength because it, it maybe accomplishes a little bit here or there for a while, but like deep down I realize like that's, that, that, that doesn't have any eternal significance. What would it look like for us to say, God, I'm fully open. My encouragement to you, church, don't, don't just do what you're able to do. Do what you were made to do. Don't just do what you're capable of doing in your own strength. Do what you were made to do, what you were stitched together to do in this world. And what you were made to do was to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit, to help more and more people find their way back to God, to bring hope and healing to a heartbroken world. That's what we're called to do. And here's the kicker. We can't do it on our own. We just can't. We can't. So my prayer is that we would be open. In whatever way that looks to you, be open. So I'd like to pray for us. I want to invite you all to sort of assume this posture of openness. Just palms open on your lap. Just a way of saying, God, I don't know what this looks like, what this means, but I'm, I'm open to whatever it is that you want to do in and through me. And it's my sincere belief that God wants to do stuff that we may never actually dare to dream on our own because the world so desperately needs it. Let's pray. God, I I confess how many times I have been anything but open. I've been closed off. I've been a control freak. I've played by my own rules, and I'm tired of it. And God, my guess is maybe there's people in this room that feel the same way. And maybe we were open at one point. We slowly took back control, God. Would you help us to be open to your leading right here and now? Help us to listen to your voice. Help us to stop being colorblind to the ways that you want to work in the world. We are open, not to an idea or a principle, but to your presence and power in our lives. Thank you. Thank you, God, that that invitation is for all of us. Make us more aware of your presence right here and now. We thank you, God, and we love you. And we pray all these things in the powerful, holy, healing name of Jesus and all God's people said.